family, there's one person who drives you a little crazy. I gotta pick Jill up at four in the morning. She comes once a year and she's leaving on Sunday. However, there's no escaping it when it's your sister. How we doing? Your twin sister. Are you going bald? Huh? No, 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 you're getting fatter and your hair doesn't realize it needs to cover more face. Okay. From the producers of Just Go With It and Grown Ups. <laughs> We are so alike. We are nothing alike, I promise you. <laughs> she isn't shy. And she isn't leaving. I put a little list together of things I want to do. Beach, horseback riding. Let's go! Oh, oh my God! Seriously, honey, can't you try a little harder? She's your sister. This year... Guess who is taking you to the Lakers game? Finally some twin time! Compliments to Mr. Pacino. What? This is insane, man. You gotta call him. From Columbia Pictures. All you gotta do is make contact. That's what. Ça bien? Oui, monsieur. Je te levante ton CV. Je me ton. Je je comprends pas. Oh! Oh! Oh my God! I'm sure you have others. Ah, you think it, but oddly enough, I don't. Family is forever. Adam Sandler, Katie Holmes, God Elmaleh, Jack and Jill. Please don't destroy my pool. So, um, I mean, how are you? How are you feeling? Oh, well, 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 well. Um, I can see why it's got 3% on Jack and Jill, on Rotten Tomatoes even. Yeah. yeah. Jack and Jill. Jack and Jill. This was... This was something to kind of really, I don't know, ponder, you know. Um, this is a Adam Sandler film from 2010, I believe. And it's uh, it cost $75 million to make. And it made about $150 million at the box office internationally, worldwide. So it, it didn't make a huge amount of money for an Adam, Adam Sandler film. And upon its release, it was destroyed by all the critics. Uh, yeah, as you say, it was at 3% on tomatoes. Mm -hmm. um, and so this is a notorious film and it's, it's a real challenging one for our purposes, I think, wouldn't you say? I would. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I think it tries to have some re redeeming 
factors within it, but it doesn't quite get there. Yeah, you know, if we're if we're if we're here chatting about movies that are deemed to be bad, and we're trying to find some redeeming features, it's it's putting us to the test, really. Yes. Well, I, I think that uh, it's worth me briefly going over the plot. So we start with Adam Sandler playing a guy named Jack, who is a advertising executive, who uh, seems incredibly rich and well to do with his beautiful wife and two wonderful children. Um, and one day his twin sister, Jill, arrives in town um, to stay for Thanksgiving, I believe, or some other holiday. And hilarity ensues. And uh, Jill, Jack and Jill are both played by Adam Sandler, one obviously dressed as a woman. Um, obviously. And obviously. And so that seems like a standard plot, right? A caper, a comedy caper. It is. I mean, um, it's definitely not the first time that you'll see this kind of thing in, uh, no. in these kind of comedies. And where things get interesting is uh, with <laughs> the inclusion of Al Pacino, um, who plays a huge role in this film. I think maybe is, is on screen as much as Adam Sandler is sometimes. Um, Basically, uh, Ben Jack, I should say, wants to get Al Pacino in a Dunkin' Donuts commercial, which is an American coffee chain. Uh, and for whatever reason, uh, Al Pacino falls in love with Jill, his sister. And so in order to get him into this Dunkin' Donuts commercial, uh, Jack kind of plays the field, not plays the field, just plays the situation and tries to get Jill to get him to make the Dunkin' Donuts commercial. <laughs> um, that's that's a plot, a real plot to a real film that we just watched with our real eyes. Um, so let me just ask you, Frederick S. Malin. That's not your, <laughs> your, your name's not S. Living place. Oh, by the way, I should just, before we get into it, I said that Xiao is uh, renovating a flat at the moment, so she's unavailable for this podcast. So that's why I listed your your keen eye to help me through this this journey um, very happy happy to i'm uh, sure you're happy to be here in the time here um so yes give me your give me your gut reaction to jack and joe right uh, so as joe said yes it's a holiday special kind of film uh, with the old Eddie Murphy plays more than one person, but this time it's Adam Sandler manoeuvre. Mm. Uh, and, yeah, so, I mean, how do we start off with a, a quick why intro? You, why, don't you, why, don't you, why don't you give me, why don't you give me something you liked about the film? Let's just get that, let's just flip it on, on its head. Let's, let's get the positives out of the way, shall we? Okay. Well, that's always a good place to start. Uh, so I think my favourite part of the movie uh, has to be the Thanksgiving dinner where they are discussing whether twins have kind of a, a psychic ability to, to feel pain in each other, something like that. And uh, Jack is asking his sister to slap herself to see if he can feel it. Jack, uh, Jill even. Uh, obliges and slaps harder and harder 
And then in comes uh, a kid, I think his name is Gary. He's the Indian adopted son of Jack and his wife. Uh, comes in with a brilliant right hook to Jill's face and knocks her clean off the chair. I think that might have been <laughs> my favorite part of the movie. Yes. Um, that was, I mean, here's the thing. So this is obviously a horrific mess, but, um, and it's, it's offensive in so many ways. It's like intellectually offensive. It's racist in places. It's like strangely obsessed with religion. And if, you know, being an atheist is apparently a, a sin in this. Well, it obviously is a sin, but it's like, uh, it's something to be shunned. Yeah. Uh, and um, so that's, there's all kinds of weird shit going on there, but because it's so mad and because Al Pacino is so, so off the rails here, I mean, personally, every time Al Pacino was on screen, I was, I was engaged to a certain extent. Um, and that was just the novelty of seeing him selling his soul. Uh, I, it, you just, it's a fascinating thing, isn't it? How, how, how he got on board. What do you, what do you think they offered him? <laughs> it's an obvious question, but how much money do you think they offered him? <laughs> Huh. Um, I, I think it's got to go even deeper than money for this. I think it has to be, I don't know, maybe it owes someone a favour or... Blackmail. Or yeah, blackmail. Either that or Adam Sandler and him are, are good buddies. Yeah. I, I don't, yeah. I mean, has, is there a history of Al Pacino selling himself for this kind of work? Um... Well, he's, he's kind of following footsteps, maybe. Uh, well, but maybe it's the other way around, but him and, and Robert De Niro, obviously, yeah. they've made some missteps recently. And it, there must be a reason behind cons consistently doing, in Robert De Niro's case, because case, he did, you know, Dirty Grandpa. Um, he's done some horrible films. And it must just be about, you know, inheritance for the grandchildren or something. I can't imagine why you do this to yourself. Um, but... Um, yeah, so so that's that's a positive for me, Al Pacino's presence. But mm. in terms of like the way the film's made, you know, the script, the way it's shot, is there anything there that you found redeeming? Okay, well, sure. I mean, the technical ability and I guess framing and everything, I think is definitely there. I mean, they definitely had a, a decent crew uh, working on this. I mean, the Colour is bright and cheerful, as you'd expect for a film like this. I mean, <laughs> the casting's pretty good for what they need. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it had the makings of what? Well, I mean, it is, it is a good movie if you take away the screenwriting, if you take away the story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To remove the plot. <laughs> Just get rid of the plot. Bring in a new one, and you've got a good movie. I yeah, think I mean, you look at the um, the guy directed this, Dennis Duggan. He uh, he's had one of those careers where he's just failed upwards. It seems he's made a lot of films, but he made a lot of uh, Adam Sandler films from the nineties. Like some people really beloved those films, like Happy Gilmore, etc. Adam Sandler's an interesting guy, right? Because he he was huge in the nineties. Like one of the biggest film stars in the world, and it, he still does attract a big box office attention. Like his films do make money, and um, like I think his production company 
in January last year, they signed a deal with Netflix for $285 million for four films. Um, people love him. People still love him. But what's interesting about him and the director and the writer is that they, they don't seem to learn from their mistakes. Uh, like right after this film, the director of Jack and Jill made Grown Ups 2, which is also horrific, uh, which also fe features Adam Sandler. And then his next film was six years later called Love Weddings and Other Disasters, which came out last year. And it's got 2% on Rotten Tomatoes. So it's just, you know, these wow. people just seem to keep failing and keep getting the movies. But I, they must make money, I suppose. But um, I mean, I mean, yeah, it is. It is his production company at the end of the day. And mm. he is the one signing off. And uh, I mean, I, I, I'd have to check, but I don't know if he was the writer for his 90s films, as he is for, for a lot of his, his films today. But um, I don't know, there's definitely something. Well, he, yeah, he's, he's the director of most of those old films. And the writer, we used to be a writer on Saturday Night Live. So that's probably where they all met because that's, they're from that clique, aren't they? That, that Saturday Night Live, Adam Sandler, David Spade, all those guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, and some of those guys crop up in this film. That happens a lot in modern and well, modern Adam Sandler comedies. A lot of his old mates turn up. Um, it's just a, it's a strange feeling of it being a kind of ruse, a kind of tax ruse or something like that, uh, embezzlement or something like that going on here. Um, and uh, yeah, because Adam Sandler is capable of some great dramatic roles, you know, Uncut Gems. Uh, I loved. I thought. It was, have you seen that Uncut Gems? No, I don't think I have. Oh, yeah, he plays like a a, a, a kind of um, jewelry, like jewelry guy, diamond guy in New York. He's like a hustler, basically. And it's like a, a really like, interesting dramatic role. I think he got nominated for Golden Globe. Um, uh, right, yeah, yeah. I, I, know, I know the film you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. He's capable, but then he keeps slipping back into this stuff. And it's strange. Um, but, but what do you think it is? Do you think it is, as you said, something shady or do you think it's a way to stay relevant? I mean... Well, he doesn't need any more money. I mean, like, well, you know, what's always fascinating, isn't it? Because, I mean, you know, like, how many how many different people it takes to put a film together? How well, many but different... I mean, it is a business, so it does need to keep producing something to stay, stay afloat with yeah. all those people working for you. And I guess I guess it's laziness then, isn't it, really? Because you're right, that's exactly true. But it obviously doesn't seem to matter to him the quality of what he's putting out because uh, mm -hmm. it must make money. In the end, it must make some money. So why would you try? Why, you know, this this film obviously was... The reason its budget was so high is because they had so much product placement. You know, there's a, a nice ruse of him being an advertising executive is that you can have all these brands flying around and it'd yeah. be part of the story. Um. But I don't know. I don't know how you'd feel making this film. <laughs> Would you be ashamed of this? I mean, maybe they don't give a fuck, you know, but... Um, is, that the, is that the kind of film you're going to proudly wear the T-shirt? Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, well, so we've you? got... Go on. How about you? Like, switching back to the movie after mm. that long train of negatives. Have you got anything positive that you'd like to take away from, from that movie? Hmm. I think it's important when you um, when you when you <laughs> this is kind of a, like a kind of ironic thing to take away but I guess 
when you're asking an, aud an audience to pay attention to your story, uh, you know, to pay the money to go see it in the cinema, or to take an hour and a half out of their lives, I think you owe it to the audience to put some effort in. Um, and obviously, this is someone who's made some good films in the past. Um, but this just really, really, I know it's another, it sounds like another negative, just really smacked of laziness, this one, right? So taking from that, I think uh, it's okay making a bad film, but as long as you you go for something, you aim for something you want to try and say, you know, like this film had like moments at the beginning where they show like you, they real, I think they must be real twins being interviewed, right? Uh, you know, about their idiosyncrasies and their like interesting relationships. Um, and that's, you know, maybe this film, <laughs> so I'm getting deep on Jack and Jill, but maybe this film could have said something about, interesting about those relationships and how strange they can be. But this one, it goes just throughout the narrative, just completely off the rails and it just becomes very offensive. So, um, yeah, I guess, I guess something I take from it is if you are going to tackle a subject, even in a comedy, you know, there's room for exploration of things and there's room to give your audience something to think about rather than, you know, just having a series. Basically, this film is a series of like six or seven set pieces, you know, different locations and the scenes are incredibly long. So you get like 10, 10 minute scenes sometimes with conversations that go and go and go. Um, and it's obviously just, there's nothing, the, the filmmaker and the screenwriter have nothing to say. So, you know, like there are moments in this film where I could see, I could see where it could become engaging. Like imagine if, uh, I don't know, Adam Sandler's character was uh, a really horrible guy. And then, you know, it's usually that thing in films where the horrible guy, if someone from his family turns up, he's embarrassed and he wants to get them out of his life, but he learns to accept them and it improves his life or something like that. And it kind of aims towards that a little bit in this one, but everyone's so bland. So there's no, there's no development. There's no journey any of them go on, you know. Um, yeah. Jill just arrives in his life, uh, is horrifying to behold, and then she leaves again. And that's it. So, I don't know. Something in that ramble I just said. <laughs> no, you are right. When you, I mean, when you try, it seems like they tried to set it up with, with those twin intros at the beginning, as, mm. as like you said, going to be touch at least touching on the subject and i guess they did touch on it but they they didn't really do it any justice in the sense that i mean they're only twins for the sake of adam sandler playing the same person or play, mm. playing two different people um and that that seems like it's enough for them to touch on the subject of being a twin and uh, allowing that to be the intro and outro to their film just seems completely irrelevant when it's yeah i mean have you seen many adam sandler films i've seen i've seen my fair share what do you what do you think of him as an actor uh i i actually, have you ever like left one of his films going mate that was hilarious yeah of course i mean for me or for, for most people nowadays i'd say he's at least a household name i mean yeah. you gotta i mean you don't have to but I mean, you'll at least like one of his movies. Like, what's one of his movies you like? Okay, so maybe unpopular, but I, I'm actually partial to. You don't mess with the Zohan. Quite <laughs> like that. 
Uh, <laughs> All right, for any of the listeners who don't know what that is, what is that film? Uh, so Adam Sandler plays uh, an Israeli secret agent who is shunned by his family for being a hairdresser or wanting to become a hairdresser. So he escapes to New York and builds a new life for him, where, of course, everything eventually catches up with him, including his Palestinian nemesis, who he ends up marrying the sister of. Right. So it's, it's, a, yeah, it's a, a touchy one. It's also not a great movie, but it's quite funny and they do it well. Right. So there, there's, there's, there's room there for Adam Sandler to exist, to, to, to occupy, you know, a it's fine, it's not the greatest thing in the world, but it's it's funny in places, that kind yeah, of Yeah, like there are some movies of his where I'm just glad they exist, like um, uh, the, damn it, the golfing one, Happy Gilmore, which uh-huh. I'm glad that exists. The Longest Yard, I'm glad that movie exists. Benchwarmers, okay. I mean, there's a, a few pretty good movies that I'm, yeah. I'm happy exist. The Waterboy, one of my favorites as well. Terrible, but great. Um, they, usually, and... they usually like, uh, this is like an old style of comedy film now, isn't it really? I don't know if you make these like vehicles yeah. just for like one or two people. I feel like um, there's probably still a market for these, but um, yeah. So this was, uh, this was, you know, going into this, I knew this would be a hard one. <laughs> uh, and so far we've got Al Pacino's presence is enjoyable because it's so bonkers. And mm. we should also mention tons of cameos in this film. Johnny Depp's in this film for a second, watching a Lakers game. Wearing a Justin uh, Bieber t-shirt. Yeah. John McEnroe turns up at a party. Mm-hmm. Uh, and gets angry. Um, who else is in this? Oh yeah, Shaquille O'Neal, Shaq, the basketball yeah. player. Yeah, he licks a he licks a ham. He, for a yeah, he tries to eat a ham in a packet. Yeah. <laughs> um, He's got a big grey wig on. I remember that. Big grey wig. Um, so yeah, so and that's I don't know. We've got Al Pacino's presence. We've got. Uh, what else did we say? <laughs> what else did we say? That was a the, the the kid. The, the kid son. punching her in the face, yeah, because yeah, he shut up good. for a second. He had a couple uh, of good moments. Yeah. What else? Yeah. Um, what else is oh, yeah. positive in that movie? Uh, oh yeah, my my spiel, my incredibly engaging spiel about making sure you honor your audience's time, <laughs> mm. which is an obvious thing to say. Which was um, less of a positive and more of a, yeah. Yeah. More of a con- condemnation. If, if you had the opportunity to go back in time mm. and you, someone said to you, I want to make a film called Jack and Jill with Adam Sandler, how mm. would you have tweaked the story, slightly putting you on the spot, but how would you think you would have tweaked the story to make it better, improve I think, the story. First off, I think my brain, I mean, even before watching this movie, I didn't read anything before you made the suggestion. God knows why I went along <laughs> with it. When, when you made that suggestion, I, I was fully expecting it to be kind of a nursery rhyme 
live action remake of the obvious Jack and Jill. Not you actually thought it would be a like a yeah a... the the Jack and Jill who went up the hill, you know. Right. Mm. Um. So I mean that's where my mind initially went, which is where I'm sure a lot of people who were going to watch this movie in the first place thought it was going. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, right from the off, they've been duped. But how how would I improve on this movie? Um, yeah. I mean, well, it's already you know you're not working with much, but I mean, I mean, you, instance, you are you're working with Adam Sandler, you're working with Al Pacino, you got Casey Holmes, the wife, and a huge like a star-studded cast. If you if you know you've got all that from the off, which I'm sure. Adam Sandler would have some idea of, of who he can get to play these things. I mean, you're not going to yeah. write a role for Al Pacino without knowing you've got him. So if you've got all those, all those X's and Y's to put into a, um, an algorithm, you come out with this. Um, you're doing something wrong, but there has to be a way to make it right. Yeah. Um, Maybe... Um... Maybe, you know, you could have, I actually don't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> we can cut here if you want. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> I think maybe introducing the fairy tale story into it is not a bad place to start because you, you have to rewrite. You can't, you can't take what exists really. And I mean, you could, but it'd be a big effort. <laughs> Let's, anyone let's that's been about, asked how, let's, yeah. how can I improve Jack and Jill? <laughs> let's, no, let's think about this. We've got we've got a few locations. We've got LA, pretty much free use from what we saw in the movie. Mm -hmm. We've got um, a cruise liner. We've yeah. got the Bronx. What else have we got? Um, yeah, just various locations in LA and those two, basically. Mm -hmm and a castle in Spain. I mean, it's got the makings of some sort of murder mystery where Jack kind <laughs> of loses his mind over his sister and ends up killing her. I think that's the way to go. I think mean, no need for this to be a family-friendly movie. It's completely already creepy enough. Rewrite, like, like a completely different film you're going for now. Like yeah. just a, So you're basically saying just... the way to improve this film is just completely changing everything about it. <laughs> Absolutely. Al Pacino plays the Godfather. And then we go from there. Wow. Okay, so this could become like an out like a Godfather 4. Uh, and like yeah. Well, I, I, I already <laughs> don't agree with what I've said there. So. <laughs> <I don't> <laughs> oh man, really this this is a hard one, man. I'm scraping the barrel on this one. Can, can, yeah. Can I ask you why you chose this movie? <clears throat> Sounds like I'm in court. <laughs> can i ask you sir why you chose this film please tell me enlighten us um i chose this film well i chose this film because it's, it's notoriously hor horrible um mm. and what i think is is interesting about it is that you know our, our podcast is always I say always, like it's a storied history of episodes, but so far we've always had watched films that I'm kind of interested in seeing beforehand. <laughs> and I wanted to find something that was 
that I had literally no interest in to see if it could test my positive abilities. Um, and I feel like I failed that test on this one. No, I think I think you've actually done it justice because you've found you've really tested yourself with this one. I mean, we were watching the movie, and I, I mean, I don't know about you, but in I complete almost, silence, by the way. Yeah, I, I was almost fearful of, of doing this recording with you because it's like, what the hell am I going to talk about? <laughs> what do I have to add to this vacuum? <laughs> Yeah. any notes yeah yeah um yeah i think that uh it's there's so many levels of film aren't there in terms of quality you know you've got your bad films you've got your offensive films there are the occasional film though where you feel bad after you finished it not just like grossed out or something you feel like your mood is lessened <laughs> because of a film <laughs> because of its quality <laughs> and um, I'm just fascinated how creative people can come together to create something that makes people feel sad after they watch it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Not deliberately sad. Um, and I guess there's a, there's a fascination involved. And I also feel like I could like be given a T-shirt to say like, oh, you watch Jack and Jill. You know, it's like a bit of a rite of passage. Yeah. Um, and I, I, think, I think maybe I was expecting some more redeeming qualities like it's just so it's so slapdash you know you're all over the place with the narrative it cuts like mad like scenes scenes are either unfathomably long like that dinner party secret dinner table secret sorry that goes on for 10 plus minutes where you just got the impression that the actors are just riffing 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 um mm. and, and there's no there's no emotion and i've said this so many times for films that you shouldn't really be looking for emotion for. But I'll say it again. Every film should have some emotional core to it. It doesn't have to, it can be, uh, well, in my opinion, at least, it can be a, you know, fucking Charlie Chaplin film. It can be uh, whatever. It has to have something to, to connect you as an audience member. Otherwise, as in the case of this one, it's just a series of images, images passing you by. Yeah. Uh, the, whole point, the whole point about the medium of film is that you use every aspect available to you from the sound, cinematography, editing, to create an emotional connection with the audience. Um, and this, this one is probably the first one we've seen on this podcast where zero, zero emotional connection. Like even in, even in like a comedy like Don't Mess With The Zohan, right? You're not weeping if he fails or whatever, but you might like him as a character, right? For, for certain reasons like subconsciously um i mean i've never seen that film but like the reason you like that film might be because of that you know and here there's none of that so there's an absence of emotion which is fascinating um i think that's probably the most anyone's ever spoken about emotion <laughs> in one in one sentence but um, i think this is also the most serious anyone's been in a conversation about it <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're, we're doing it justice, I guess you're right. We are doing it justice by actually yeah. watching the fucking thing. Um, yeah, we, we got through all of it. I mean, there was a moment where we, we thought it was time to switch to another movie. Yeah, but, no, we but that hasn't happened yet on this podcast either. The feeling that we're not going to be able to do this podcast because it's too bad. Um, <laughs> so anyway, I feel like we, we could probably uh, draw our discussion to a close on Jack and Jill. 
if there's one thing, if there's one thing you would say to someone who says, um, I'd like to watch Jack and Joe, what, what would be one thing you'd say that is good about the film to get them in? Well, I mean, my initial answer would be don't, uh, before you said <laughs> the second part of your question there. Um, I don't know, maybe if... Oh, if you were high? I, <laughs> no, not even then. Um, I think I could go very dark. But, uh, go on. No, okay. Go on, son. <laughs> it's been recorded, mate. Uh, <laughs> I feel like, um, we, I feel like every podcast episode, I bring up the fact that my mother listened, so be aware. Be aware of my mother. I would say watch this movie if you have nothing better to do. Oh, think, my God. Can you imagine if you had nothing better to do than watch this? I mean, I guess we, I mean, I guess I. We, we did just watch it, so we, we can't say. We'd say... I don't know. What would you say, Joe? How would you get someone to want to watch this movie? I would Adam Sandler plays a woman. Al Pacino. Adam Sandler plays yeah. a woman. Al Pacino uh, is in a Dunkin' Donuts commercial at the end. You, basically, I'd say, like, hang on until the end because you get to see him dance and sing a song about donuts. Um, I mean, yeah. But also, you could just, I don't know, send them the YouTube clip of the last bit. Not have to, I mean, make them sit through albeit thankfully it's only an hour and a half, but still an hour and a half you won't get back just to see a like, dance commercial. Do you feel like bad? Do you feel like, like you, if you if you think about the film we just watched and you close your eyes, do you feel like, I feel bad about everything I saw? <laughs> like, does it make you feel sad? Um, yes. Makes me feel sad, happy, angry. I mean... The fact is that this has been made. People are paid <laughs> to make this. People signed off on this being released. Yeah. Like, you can't not... I, I guess maybe that's where they're trying to brew emotion from rather than the film itself, rather than content. Yeah. I mean... Do you think that like, it's, it's, a, it's a genius move where they, you know, rustled up a huge amount of money to make this based on a script, the script had to have been terrible. You know, it's not like they made the film worse. Off, I mean, I mean, maybe they rewrote the script after. Maybe the writer's like, I've delivered a masterpiece and you destroyed it, I don't know, but maybe it's some kind of postmodern work of, of torture. Maybe yeah. they, they're all sitting around going, what is the worst thing that we can do and get paid millions of dollars to do it? <laughs> and they did it. So if I think about it in that way, they're geniuses. Yeah. Um, but Jack and Jill, man. Jack and fucking Jill. Do you think uh, do you think you'll you're inspired to see more Adam Sandler films that aren't considered like his quality work, or do you think you're done with him for a while? You know, I'd actually been wanting to watch an Adam Sandler movie for a while because I I've, I've kind of taken a break from him in the last year or two, I guess. <laughs> Good drug. And I'm so glad. I'm so glad that my I love that I've completely bummed you out with this. <laughs> completely bummed you out. It's so bad. It, it, actually, to be honest, it makes me want to go back and watch 
the movies that I like of his because yeah. seeing him in this light isn't isn't good for anyone. Oh my god, watch Uncut Gems. Yeah, that would be amazing. Now to see yeah. what he can, what he can do. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let me, <laughs> before we uh, escape back to our free free lives, um, give me something uh, something positive. Give me some something you've watched in the past week or so that you've enjoyed. Give me some good stuff. Oh God! All I can think of is Jack and Jill. Let me let me ponder. <laughs> Come um, on, you got it. I mean, you know, you uh, you know, you you were in Budapest last time you're on this podcast mm. and you're now back in back in l town um, back in london back in london in your, in your quarantine so you're gonna have a lot of movie time until you're free yeah um, um i gotta say actually i really enjoyed watching initial d right. which is uh a, it's a also a comedy but it's a a japanese racing movie a street racing movie so it's just kind of a kind of like a uh, like drifting like the drift race yeah do. yeah the drifting hmm. i thought that was great that came recommended Who, who's in it any famous actors or um not not to my knowledge uh, right. i'm just looking at the netflix page here a j chu and Anne suzuki and I know Chu, yeah. yeah yeah that's cool yeah. that How, what, what, what brought that to your doorstep um it was i think what it was drifted suggest- that part what drifted what what i'm trying to think of it <laughs> <laughs> what drifted by your road to oh never mind sorry go on <laughs> uh actually it came from because we were watching another movie also that escapes me uh but it was suggested to me by a friend uh, of movies that are slightly ridiculous but mm-hmm. easy watching and uh yeah, I kind of lived up to it, which is kind of what I would hope to say for for Jack and Jill, but doesn't quite get there. Lighthearted. Imagine, imagine if you had to watch Jack and Jill every day for a year, just once a day, once a day for a year. Yeah, I don't. And know you I got do that. you got paid. You would get paid five hundred thousand pounds. Five hundred thousand for an hour and a half a day. Yeah, and you couldn't you couldn't but, look away. But think about it. But think about it. You would you would be able to you would have memorized that entire movie. You'd yeah. be talking along. Do you think do you think it was a good movie by the end of the year? You'd have picked up on details because obviously there are innumerable details. You yeah, all the nuances. Viewing. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but you would probably fall asleep listening to Jill's voice, and you'd probably I, hear that on your deathbed. Oh, um so and i think five hundred thousand would go away quite quickly you probably spend that on therapy yeah um so yeah interesting thought eh? mm-hmm. um so initial d interesting initial d, initial I, thought d. For, I thought that, that was going to be a dirty film <laughs> <laughs> sounds it initial d. Yeah. Um, what about you have you seen anything decent recently well i've watched um Oh, I sound like such a, I sound like such a fucking snob. Here we go. Here we go. Get yourself ready with this one, mate. Strap uh, yourself in. Uh, strap yourself in with some fucking velvet seatbelts. Um, yeah, so I watched uh, 
last week I watched a film called Bicycle Thieves. Okay. Um, which is <laughs> uh, considered one of the greatest films of all time. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's it's a Italian film. 40 something, isn't it? Yeah, an Italian film from the late 1940s. Mm. Uh, which is part of what they call Italian neorealist cinema, which was Italian cinema shot in and around just after the Second World War. So often uh, with a very documentary style, um, in and around like the rubble of bombed cities, focusing on you know working class, impoverished people. And this film is about a man who is desperate for a job, he's unemployed, and he gets a job, but the proviso is that he needs a bicycle to do the job. Basically, he's putting up posters around the city. So he pawns the last of his possessions for to get a bicycle to feed his young baby and wife. And while out on his first day on the job, his bicycle gets stolen. So the what? film is about him and his son going all around Rome, I think it's in Rome, trying to find the guy who stole his bicycle. And it has one of the most uh, gut-wrenching endings of any film I've ever seen. And it has an incredible performance by this young guy, young kid playing a character called Bruno, who makes you, makes you weep. He makes you weep. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, just, I just had a quick look up of the movie and uh, another movie came up called Bicycle Thieves, which is from 2013. I just want to yeah. read the synopsis. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> An orphan joins a gang of bicycle thieves to earn a living. His life changes when he falls in love with a bank employee and he starts his life again by serving as a driver to a drunk lawyer. That also sounds great. I'm sorry sorry to take the shine away from... (laughs) Why would you do that? I mean... I don't know. I just gave this impassioned speech about the film. I really enjoyed listening to that. And you trumped me with a newer film. I see. I see how it is. I'm sorry, buddy. Yeah, so uh, that's... I mean, I can't... Apparently, I can't just sit down and watch... I mean, I, I do. I sit down and watch Jack and Jill. But um, I don't know, every time I mention a film on this podcast that I've seen, it's <laughs> absolute. Yeah. I don't care. No, but, I am. But it's important. It, it's, not, it's not snobbery. It's literally the history of, of what we talk about on these shows. You know, you can't, you can't escape that that is where these things have come from. Yeah. And it's important to understand. I think people, people should watch, don't have to, they don't want to, but there's, there's so much to, to source from older movies. Like, you know, you don't, they're not always of the highest quality, but when you hit one that's really old and really engaging still, it's, it's more powerful, extra powerful, you know, because mm. it's, Lasted the test of time, so yeah. Have you, have you ever seen any Stanley Kubrick films? Yeah, big fan. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I need to watch more. Maybe I'll do that this coming week. I'll watch some more of his some more Stanley. Yes, so there we are, Frederick. We have we, we got through, we made it, we made it to the top of the hill. Is that Jack and Jill? Yeah. Yeah. There we go. They went up. There we go. Yep. That's a pail of water, is it? Pail of water. Um, I can't remember the rest of it. Uh, and we we fetched uh, freedom from this film. Uh, and I, I appreciate you joining me on this journey. And I hope that you 
don't hate me. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, just just happy to be involved. You know me, Jay. Oh, oh, well, it's a pleasure. And to all our wonderful listeners, thank you so much. And I'll give Fred the microphone for the last word. Don't watch Jack and Jill. Thank you. <laughs>